All right, well, good morning. We're so glad you guys are here. Uh, before anybody asks, no, I do not want to talk about the game last night. And so, uh, but as an owner of the Packers, if you know a good kicker, we are taking resumes. And so, uh, so yeah, so uh, good luck to the Lions. I don't care about anything else at this point. So, uh, so anyway, so we're so glad you guys are here with us uh, today, braving the, the weather. I know it's cold, and uh, but we're so glad you guys are here. If you are new, we're glad you're here with us for the first time. And so make sure and stop by the welcome desk. We have a gift for you uh, just for coming this week, even if we never see you again, we're just glad you're here with us uh, this week. And so we are uh, in the middle of this series, and we are talking about new. And so it's a new year, so we kind of launched into this series. And where we've been is we talked about this idea that so many of us have when we go into a new year, a new season of life, of changing things, making things different. And then we kind of jumped into an idea for us as a church, what that might look like to step into something new. And then last week what we did was we stepped back into this space where we talk about, for so many of us, the reason we have a hard time getting to something new, believing something new could be possible, is because there's these war, uh, wars that rage within our mind. And we're always torn between what we want to do, and what we should do, versus what we actually do. And it all starts in our brains, in our minds, with the way we think. And so the next couple of weeks, what we're going to do is talk about some tools that I think that we've been given that can help get us into the new, get us into a better space. Today, the tool we're going to talk about, the resource we're going to talk about, is something that I self-admitted the first week that I'm trying to get better at, something I'm trying to understand more about. And and even though I've been uh, following Jesus now for almost 20 years, um, it's still something that every time I study it and think through it, uh, new things pop out to me. And so the tool that we're going to talk about today when we step into the new, and maybe for some of you guys, this will be the introduction because maybe you've never really dove into this. For some of you, it might be rethinking what you've been doing in the past, and that is simply the idea of prayer. And so what is prayer? What does it look like? How, how do we use it? And so even if, you're not, even if you're new to church, you probably are familiar with this term prayer and have some ideas of what it is and what it isn't and all these things. And to be honest with you, I think there's a lot of confusion around prayer and its goal and its focus in our life. And so today, hopefully we get to start clearing some of that stuff, at least having conversations about clearing some of that stuff. And I think the hard part about prayer for some of us is when we pray um, and how we pray, and then also the results of those prayers, sometimes it's a little bit weird. Sometimes it seems a little bit like maybe God has his priorities out of whack in all of these things. And so some ideas behind that is maybe like me, um, you've lost your keys before. Anybody ever lost their keys, right? And so, you know, you're late for something and you might throw one up and be like, dear God, help me find my keys. And then you find your keys and you're like, what a great and wonderful God that we serve, you know, right? Or you're looking for a parking spot, especially maybe in our parking lot, which is self-admittedly the worst parking lot in the world. And and so you're looking for a parking spot, you're running late, and, and so all of a sudden a parking spot opens up as if the other 300 people looking for a parking spot weren't praying for a parking spot, but you're the special one today, you know? And so we have these things, and, and so sometimes we feel like God answers our prayers, but then it's like there's other times where it's more like serious stuff, like somebody we know is sick, or there's a really rough situation going on. And so we pray, and it doesn't seem like God is maybe as attentive or responding to those prayers as much as the ones where it was just looking for some car keys or looking for a parking spot or whatever it is. 
And so there's some weirdness there about how it works and what gets answered and what doesn't get answered. And we're secretly looking for the right combination of code or whatever it is to get things to work out the way we want. And then, so there's like things we pray for and how they get handled. And then there's actually like, then how we actually pray. Like, how do we do it? I I remember being in a small group. uh, I'm still in a small group, but years ago, the way we formulated our small group was we would end our small group with just a time of prayer. And so we'd go around the circle and we'd say, hey, does anybody have anything they want prayer for this week or we can be praying for? And for about 15 minutes, we'd go around and everybody would talk about the needs in their lives and the things in their lives and all of this stuff. And they would vocalize all these concerns and, and hard things in their life. And and then there was like this weird moment where we would be like, so let's pray about it now. As if God didn't hear the 15 minutes we were just talking about all of those things. And like God's like waiting there and like, now, now we're going to pray. So dear God, and God's like, thank goodness I can finally pay attention, you know? And so there's this weirdness there when it comes to prayer. And then what we pray about, right? And I'm not judging anybody, but I would assume based on most people and the way we pray, there seems to be this thing where most of our prayers, if we're honest, are about help me, bless me, protect me, keep me, get me out of this, you know? And, and so maybe every once in a while we pray for some other people, but when it comes to our prayers, most of it's centered around us, And some things work out and some things don't. And and so it's a little bit random, right? And all this stuff. And then then like for some of us, like when it comes to prayer, there's this weird system we've created where it's like, you know, we should all be praying. You know, we should be praying for each other, praying for ourselves, all this good stuff. But for some of us, we don't feel confident in our prayers. And so when something serious comes up, we want somebody like me to pray. And I'm happy to pray for people, but it's almost like treated like I have some special connection that you guys don't, which I assure you I do not. And so it's like, you pray for it. And I'm like, well, I'll pray for you, but are you praying for it? Well, no, I think you should pray for it. And I'm like, well, I don't know, that's how it works. But, uh, you know, so there's that. And then for some of us, and maybe you've never thought, you don't even know where you learned how to pray. So like maybe for some of us, it was just this idea that we know that people pray and that Christians pray. And, and so all we did was we paid attention to what other people were praying for or how people were praying. And so there's like this model that we just picked up on that this is how my parents prayed or this is how the pastor prayed or, you know, and and so we start praying for stuff. And maybe for some of us, when we think about it, like the only time we pray is when we're about to eat dinner. And so we sit down around the rack of ribs or that pizza or those buffalo wings. And we're like, dear God, thank you for this food. Let it nourish our body. As if there's any prayer in the world that's going to make that nourish your body, right? It's delicious, but come on. All right. And so there's these weird things. And so there's all this stuff about prayer. And then there's this part. Has anybody ever just asked the question, well, will you teach me how to pray? Like, would, would somebody actually show me how to do it? And maybe for some of you, you've experienced this. So like, depending on what tradition or background you grew up in, maybe you were given a book of prayers and so there's like these formulated kind of prayers or, or maybe you grew up in a church that had some liturgy in their prayer or, you know, or maybe like, like the first couple centuries of church, you'd just pray the Psalms or these type of things. There's nothing wrong with all of that. But the reality is when you start doing some research and you start looking into some books or sermons or articles, I mean, to be honest with you, it can be all over the place what people actually say about prayer. And so then it gets really confusing. It can feel random. And then we think about like, this is supposed to be such a central part of our our lives. 
And it's not just a Christian thing. I mean, there's very few people that I've ran into that don't say every once in a while they just pray. I mean, even some of the agnostics or atheists that I know, at certain points in their life, something will happen and I'll be like, and they'll just throw one up just in case, you know? And so there's all this weird stuff. And so I want to start with a very simple premise today, and we're just going to work through this. When it comes to us as Christians, and I know some of us are still figuring that out and figuring out their journey in faith, but here's a question. What did Jesus say about it? And is there a point in which Jesus told us that this is how we should pray? Great answer, there is. And so we're just going to take a look at that, and, and we're going to take a look at that, and it'll be up on the screen. And, and before I get into that, let me, let me tell you this. Um, if any point today you hear me say something, or even at this point you say, Jeremy, who do you think you are to tell us how to pray or how we should pray? Understand, number one, I'm still figuring this thing out. Number two, I'm using Jesus's words. So if you have a problem with it, you can email him um, or better yet, pray to him about it. And we'll see what happens with that. All right. And so in Matthew chapter six and in Matthew chapter six, the context of this is Jesus is giving which referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. So it's kind of Jesus' most famous kind of series of teachings. Now, most scholars believe that there is probably a point in which he did this in one point in time, but most scholars believe that these were teachings that he would go around traveling teaching. So this isn't a one-off. Like more than likely, he's saying a lot of these things multiple times. And so when Matthew records it, that it, it's this one particular kind of section. All right, so here's what he says. He says in Matthew chapter six about prayer. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Now, if you don't know what a hypocrite is, in their culture, a hypocrite would be someone, um, they take this term from like um, theater. It's like someone that wears a mask, but it's actually something else. Okay, so it's like not being who you say you are. So that's what a hypocrite is. Who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Now, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. So let's break this down. So what has Jesus said about prayer? Well, it's fascinating that before Jesus gets into what we should actually say, what he talks about is where people pray and where we should do it. And maybe that's never even crossed your mind, okay? And here's the thing. I, I want you to understand. I do think you can pray anywhere. I think it's perfectly fine that some of you guys pray traveling down 65, putting your makeup on in the rearview mirror, <laughs> drinking your cup of coffee, whatever it is. I think you can do that, right? I think for some of you students, maybe it's okay that you pray on your way to school and your prayer is, dear God, please don't let there be a quiz, right? Like, that's okay. Or maybe like me growing up, your prayer might be on the way home and you're like, dear God, please don't let my mom still be awake, right? You know, and that's okay. I think you can pray about that. I think you can pray anywhere at any time. But I think it's important that Jesus starts the conversation about talking about a place and time in which you pray. And we'll come back to that in a second because it's really important. But, but here, here's what he goes on to say. He says, he says, don't be like them, these people that pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. And so what he's talking about, and maybe you've seen this, um, there is a temptation sometimes in the Christian world for people to get on stages or in groups that have a platform 
and to say a lot of things that make them look like high and mighty, that make them look really holy, that make them look like they have this really special connection with God. And I'm not saying that they don't. What, what Jesus is talking about is that there's some people that, that that's what they do. And these particular group of people, we say, and these people, they go on the street corner or around the synagogues and they say all these public prayers and they say all of these high and big words. They talk over people's heads. They quote as many scriptures as they can, which there's nothing wrong with quoting scriptures in prayer, but there should be a limit. And so like they just pray and they pray and it goes on and on. And people are just looking in awe about how mighty this, how spiritual this person is. And Jesus says, there's some people that when they pray, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to impress people. And in fact, if you've grown up around Journey, like I pray during the service, but, but my staff knows this. I, I'm not a big like praying in front of people person. And it simply comes down to this one truth is sometimes when I pray in front of people, I'm more concerned because I know me about impressing you with my knowledge and what I'm saying than actually getting to the heart of what's really going on. And so he says, these men who do this, who want to appear holy and wise and all this, like they've already gotten their reward. Their goal was just to be seen and heard. And so good for them, you know, give them a round of applause. Like they impressed people, but there was no genuineness behind what they were actually saying. Now, we don't have street corners, and so let me go off on a tangent here for just a minute. We don't have street corners maybe like they did where there was like these public kind of displays of these things, but, but we do have a street corner that a lot of us kind of regularly visit. It's called Facebook, Twitter, and I think that we could just take the language that Jesus is using then and apply it to this, and he says, you know, be careful when you're posting stuff about how awesome you might be or how holy you might be. Be careful posting stuff where you're just posting all these verses. Because you know what? At the end of the day, you might be doing that just to get your reward to be seen by men. And good for you. But there's your reward. In fact, right before this, and we're gonna, actually, when I was studying this, I was like, man, we should talk about this sometime. Because this is a cultural thing. In fact, right before this part about prayer we addresses, he addresses another issue. And he says, you know what, don't, like, don't go around doing good stuff and then telling everybody about it. He says, because if that's your goal is just to do it so that people can talk about how great you are, well, then you've received your award. He says, don't even go announce it. Just do it because it's the right thing to do. And then your father in heaven will see you doing it. He goes as far as saying, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is even doing. And so he says, you know, don't, don't be like those people that just do it so people just think they're great. Like that can't be the goal in this, especially not in prayer. And so he says, so, so what you should do, and here's where he goes back to this idea. He says, but when you pray, go into your room and close the door. So he talks about this idea of that when you're going to pray, what you need to do is you need to focus and be intentional. I realize if we're honest, and I have to be this about myself, most of our prayers are kind of on the run. It's the hustle and bustle of life. We pray as a response to the circumstances we face or the phone call we got or the email we got or the thing that we just found out. And there's nothing wrong with that. But for some of us, that's our entire prayer life is just a reactionary thing. 
And I think what Jesus is trying to introduce is he says, if, if you want this, this relationship with God, going back to this newness, this stepping into the newness, like there's going to be some intentionality that comes with this. And so Jesus says, what I want you to do is I want you to take a focused time. I want you to go get away from everything. I want you to be intentional, not random. I want you to close the door so that all the distractions can be put away. We don't often see Jesus himself actually going into a room and shutting the door. At least he might have done this. We don't have it recorded. What we often see Jesus doing is he's getting up early and he's going out into the wilderness by himself. Or or, or as his men are falling asleep and he's telling them to pray, he's wondering by himself to be by himself with the Father. Or in one particular story, he's overwhelmed because he's just preached to this crowd and he's doing all this stuff. And even though he's God, he's also human, so he's worn out. And so he sends the disciples on his way and he stays back to be by himself and to pray. But wherever it was for Jesus, it was always intentional. And so he says, you know, go into your room. Shut down the distractions. Be intentional, not responsive. See, for some of us, just incorporating this little piece of the puzzle might change everything. Our prayer often is just dealing with the chaos and the randomness of life. And I think that's part of prayer. But what Jesus is talking about is this intimate, intentional connection that we make with God. So much of it is give me, give me, help me, help me, bless me, which is an active part. It just can't be the whole thing. And so it says, and this is another important part, he says, and when you pray, so when you get by yourself, he he says, don't do it in front of people so it's a spectacle. Get by yourself, be intentional about it. And he goes on to say, and and don't keep on babbling like the pagans, right? So what he's saying here is that we think that God is going to be impressed by our words and our volume of words and all of these things, right? Okay, let me just go and say this. Um, We just identified a star that is 3 billion light years away. What you say is probably not going to impress somebody that created that, right? So just go ahead and just wipe that one off the table. What he wants is this moment, this intentionality. And see, I think this is really interesting because some of us, part of our prayer life, the reason we struggle with it is because we're afraid we're going to say the wrong stuff. Or we're afraid we're not going to like grab God's attention because we didn't quote enough Psalms or something like that. In fact, Jesus, he actually teaches a parable about this. It's a pretty fascinating parable. And so he tells this parable and he talks about these two men that are going in the temple to pray. And one of them is a Pharisee. So this is a guy that like knew the scriptures in and out. He knew the law. He knew all this stuff. I mean, these guys were highly intelligent. We often think of the Pharisees and, and they kind of get this bad rap, which some of it they earned. But I mean, these guys were really smart, well-educated. They're trying to do things. And then you have a tax collector. So you have like, when you think of the spiritual world and and their world at that time, you have like the highest and the lowest and they're both going into the temple. And and so Jesus tells this parable and he says, the Pharisee goes in there and man, he just starts like just all the things you could say, like all, you know, impressing people and people are looking at him and he's talking about what he does and how much he gives and talking about how great he is and all of this stuff. And, 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 you know, Jesus kind of looks at it and he says, you know, and everybody saw it and it's a cool, you know, whatever. But then he says this about the tax collector, the other man in the room. Luke 18, 13, he says this, 
But the tax collector stood at a distance. He was afraid for anybody to even see that he was there. He was by himself. And he has this intentional moment where it says he would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Not exactly the greatest prayer in the world. He didn't even start with dear God or in Jesus' name, right? And Jesus says, who do you think God heard that day? He says what he wanted was authentic, this intimate moment. He gives praise to this tax collector. Now, so he talks about this, and he says that you need to be intentional about it. Don't worry about all the things you're going to say and, you know, all of this stuff. And he says, you know, all of these things and all these reasons that we think that maybe we don't have a good prayer life or whatever it is. And then he, he lays this on us. And this is the one that just when you read it in the context of the scripture, you're just like, what? And so here's what he says next. He says, and the reason you don't have to worry about what you say or trying to impress people or all of these things, he says, your father already knows what you need before you ask him. To which you should be like, so then why am I even praying? Right? I mean, isn't that like the thought? Like, be honest. Like, if God already knows what I need before I ask him, then why do I even need to ask him? And I think if you wrestle with that tension or you've ever had that thought, I think that Jesus has you exactly where he wants you. And I think he had them exactly where he wanted them. Because if your father in heaven, as we refer to him, is the God that we think of, and I know some of us are still wrestling with that and figuring that out, and that's great. We're glad you're here. But, but if God is who he says he is and who these words that we've been given say that he is, and he's the creator and sustainer of all things, it also is the creator sustainer of planets and suns billions of light years away, but also holds the molecules in your body together and created us in this way. If he's all of those things and he's all of the things that we've been told, here's the thing, um, wouldn't you expect him to already know what you need? And so Jesus creates this tension that we're confronted with. Okay, then, okay, so Jesus, but like, why do I even say it if he's already, but, and Jesus like, he's God. Because see, I think the reason that this is hard for some of us even hearing that, you probably didn't know that was in the Bible, so you're like, I'm never praying again, right? So here's the thing. Jesus confronts us with something, because if we're honest, for most of us, we have reduced our prayer into informing God. Hey, God, you need to know about my needs and my wants and my wishes and the wishes of the people that I love. And it's like we feel like we're informing him of stuff. And so Jesus, he speaks directly into this. And he says, hey, you don't have to worry about that list, which is what most of our prayer life is. He says, because God already even knows what you need. And so now that there's the tension in all of us and in that crowd that day, Jesus then says, so you asked, how should we pray? Well, I'll tell you how we should pray. And he starts into one of the most famous, if not the most famous prayer. For some of us, it might be one of the only prayers that you know. And here's what he says. Then this, now having all that other stuff, is how you should pray. Here's what you pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
And that's the part we skip. This is the point where if we could just focus in on this for just a moment when it comes to our prayer life. If we could just pause right there and take a moment to remember that when we pray, who it is that we're talking to. See, it's honest to have that moment when you're stuck in traffic, right? It's honest to have that moment where on this, you got the phone call and your immediate response is just to pray. That's all okay. But see, Jesus is talking about this focused, intentional time. And what he's saying is, hey, sometimes we just need to take a moment and we just need to stop and we just need to remember who it is that we're actually praying to. So he says, in order to do that, you got to get alone. You got to get quiet. You got to remove the distractions. You got to be intentional. See, I think part of prayer is at this moment where we pause to reflect on who God is, which also helps us gain a better understanding of who we are and why we're here. And when we gain a better understanding of the relationship between the creator and the created, when we t- stop and we focus and we recenter, when we regain our bearings and we remember the broader context of the lives that we get to live. You know, somebody was telling me, interesting, that, you know, and there's all this study, it's fascinating, and I hope this doesn't confuse you, but what they've studied in our brains is that when, when people do like mindfulness or like meditation or something like that, in our brains, it responds the same way as if when we pray. Before you think that I'm demoting prayer and it's important, I'm not at all. What I'm saying is in meditation and things like that, what you're doing is you're getting in a moment and you're recognizing that there's something bigger than you. And prayer is this moment where you take a moment, you pause, you recenter, and you remember there's something bigger than you, greater than you. And you've been invited to be a piece of that. In our prayer, when we stop here and we remember who it is we're talking to and who his name actually is, all of a sudden, our little lives, and I don't want to insult you, but they are little, and they're here today, and they're gone tomorrow. Our lives that we think are so significant, and we are. We were created in the image of God. We've been made. You are, you are unique. But you are significant because of the image you bear and whose children you actually are. And when you stop and you recenter yourself around that, see, if we don't begin by experiencing some sense of awe, and who God actually is, we might lose out on the next thing that he says that might be the most important thing we can do. And so Jesus says, so what you got to do is when you pray, get alone by yourself, take all the distractions and remove them, and you start. And for some of us, we may not even be able to get past that first sentence. We just need to start there. But when you're ready to, here's the next part. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, hold on a second, Jesus. I got a problem with this prayer so far. What about my kingdom? And what about my will? And what about my family 
and my job and my stress and my fear and my health and my bills. Hey, Jesus, the whole reason I'm even praying is to address my kingdom. And Jesus is like, I, I, listen, I know you got all this stuff you're worried about. That's why I started, I think he would smile at you. He said, that's why I started by telling you, your father already knows what you need. So let's get back to this. There's this book that I read. It's by Tim Keller. It's a book on prayer. And it's helping me think through a lot of things. But there's this great quote in the book that I, I, I hate this quote, but also love this quote. You ever have those type of things? And here's what he says. He says this. If we can't say thy will be done from the bottom of our hearts, we will never know any peace. We will feel compelled to try to control people and control our environment and make things the way we believe they ought to be. See, for so many of us, when it comes to prayer, it's about our agenda and our needs and our will and our kingdom. And what if the whole point of the purpose of prayer is to align ourselves or to realign ourselves with God's will and God's purpose? What if the point of prayer is to surrender our will, not to impose it? Prayer is not so much about moving God, but us being moved by God. And so Jesus, he just stops him and he says, let's just start there. Now, there's more to this prayer that we're going to cover at another time because there is some requests that Jesus says that we should make. But, but, but maybe for some of you, you just need to stop there. And until you can in your prayer life honestly say, see, I think we do this all the time. We're like, your will be done. I want God's will. I want God's will. And then we do everything that we can, including praying, to make it about our will, Right? See, I get it. I've got my own little kingdom. I've got my will for my life. I have an agenda. And Jesus tells us, I, listen, we know that. God already knows these things. He already knows about your fragile, temporary little kingdom. But what if we started here? And to press this a little bit further, the reason I know this is personal for some of you and you, you're in the middle of situations and, and all of these things, the reason you find yourself from time to time praying the way that we've historically prayed. And so it's like, get me out of this, keep me from this, protect me from this. And, and here's the thing, and this is the reality, is because for some of us, our prayer life is all about getting us out of things that we got ourselves into, right? Is it possible... That if and rather than having to pray to get yourself out of something you got yourself into, every single day you started your day by saying, God, your will be done, what you want, you are who you are and I am who I am. How many situations could you have avoided if you've begun the day and continued throughout the day with that posture? Does God hear the prayers that we have to randomly throw up? Absolutely. But I think what Jesus is trying to get to is this more intentional thing about us understanding who he is and who we are. So what if we started there? Now, here's the challenge, okay? You want to step into a new life. You want things to be different than they've always been before. We all say that, but then we just keep going back to the same stuff, right? So what if for some of us, just for the next seven days, 
right? If you want to be a super Christian, there's 10 more days left in the month, you do that one, okay? For seven days, this is the simple challenge. For seven days, you started your day by getting alone by yourself in a quiet place, free of distractions, and you just honestly remembered that you were having a conversation with your Father God, whose name is to be hallowed. And you just simply started saying, by God, before I get into my list, I got a list. We all got a list. Before, before we even talk about any of that, you already know anyway, Jesus told us that. So we're going we're gonna to pause there. But, but here's what, I want what you want. What if for 10 days you did that? Seven days. You actually did that. Here's the good news. doesn't have to take very long. Jesus already said, and this is the good news, God is not impressed by your volume of words. He's not impressed by your babbling. He's impressed by your heart. There's this book that I read this past year uh, by Eugene Peterson, and he talks about prayer, and, and it's kind of reshaped and rethought about the way that I've thought about it, and so um, it convicted me, so I'm going to convict you. And so, uh, so it's this quote, and here's what he says. He says, in order to be effective, prayer has to be the first thing we do, not the last thing we do. We could just stop there. Don't raise your hand. How many of us does that speak to? He goes on to say this, praying most often doesn't get us what we want, but what God wants. Something quiet and at the variance with that, what we conceive to be in our best interests. And then I love this last part because I think this is what Jesus is getting at, the whole point of this whole thing. Prayers are tools not for doing or getting, but for being and becoming. Being and becoming the person that God created you to. Being and becoming the newness in Christ that we talked about last week. Being and becoming the father that you've always wanted to be, the mother that you've always wanted to be, the spouse that you've always wanted to be. Being and becoming. And maybe, just maybe, it starts with just prayer. Acknowledging who God is and his will and his kingdom for you. Let's pray. Father God, we love you, and God, I, uh, as we pray right here, we just have to acknowledge, because Jesus tells us who you are, and that's why we're here. I mean, that's why we sing the songs, that's why we sit in this room for an hour, that's why we go and do the studies that we do, and the, it's because of who you are, God, and we're here, some of us, because we've already put our trust and our faith in you, and for some of us, we're here because we're just figuring this thing out, but, but it's just this moment where we stop and we reflect on who you are. And the honor and the privilege that if you are who you say you are and who Jesus shows us that you are and these words that have given us life tell us who you are, what an honor and privilege to even have this moment. And God, what we need next is for me, for us, is to acknowledge that if you are, God, our wills are second. Our kingdoms are second. And so God, help us just to get in line with that. 
And so God, give us the peace that only your word says that you can give, the wisdom that your word says that you can give. God, give us the presence of mind over the next seven days to 10 days just to, just to stop and just reflect for just a few moments as we start our day, as we start our journey, as we start our adventures, God. And we know that, God, you just want to hear our voices, so you'll, you'll listen when we throw up the prayers. You might help some of us find our keys when we need to. But God, just help us to understand the intimacy, the intentionality that you want us to have when it comes to understanding you. And so God, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for who you are, the tools you give us, the words you give us. In your son's name we pray. Amen.